Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry P.R., your favorite board-certified attorney. Founder of DrBarryPR.com, as well as the CEO of PR Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself with better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, education, and affirmation. This week, we bring you a special guest, Dr. Brittany Brindley, who is a physician and entrepreneur out of uh, Beverly Hills, Los Angeles area. And she's going to be talking about how she was able to you know, get over a lot of the obstacles that were in her way to get to where she's at today, right? And I love these types of stories, especially when our physicians tell it, right? Because one, it allows physicians to be vulnerable. Um, and then it gives, especially the general public, a different view, right? Because I think a lot of times when we're talking about physicians, we see someone who's really been at the top of the pinnacle of their, their career, right? Which is in healthcare. Physicians are usually up there, right? As far as, you know, goals in mind. Um, but a lot of times we only see that end result. Right. And we don't really focus on the backstory that got them there. We don't focus on the, the hills and the hurdles and obstacles that were in their way uh, to try to persuade them not to get to that, that, you know, top of the mountaintops. Right. So I uh, definitely love when I get uh, physicians who are willing to talk about their story. And again, we're going to talk about how, you know, she went to a high school at her senior class had less than 100 people. Um, how, uh, again, no one in her family was in healthcare. They were physicians. She had no mentors. She had to drive almost 30 minutes away just for a wellness exam, right? Like for wellness checkups as a kid. So again, this is someone who uh, the odds probably told her that, hey, you know what? Being in healthcare, being a physician probably isn't going to be what uh, you're going to be at the end of the day, but she defied all of those odds, right? So can't wait for you guys to listen to uh, this week's episode again. As a physician, as a person who's had kind of a similar background where wasn't promised to be a physician. Um, again, I, I definitely love when I get to hear these stories on the other side, right? And uh, Dr. Brindley definitely, um, you know, lets us know, uh, uh, like, again, her her road uh, to the top was not very easy, right? So let's get ready for another amazing episode here on the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. podcast is sponsored by the lunch and learn community merchandise store living out the motto empower yourself for better health at the store you can get your favorite t-shirts coffee mugs even wristbands and more for a limited time you can get 10 percent off your next purchase using the coupon code empower 10 that's empower 10 e-m-p-o-w-e-r 10 just go to shop.drbayerpr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, Lunch and Learn community, you just heard another amazing introduction from a, a guest that I'm definitely excited uh, for you guys to hear about. Like we, like we talked a little bit about introduction, I think a lot of times when we, you know, we see our physicians and we see them working and, you know, uh, you know, making amazing strides just in healthcare and, uh, you know, our own personal care. A lot of times uh, we assume uh, their story was this uh, straight path and uh, onto the beaten path and they just kind of woke up and they were the doctor, right? And uh, like I've said before, you guys have heard my story before, just the importance of understanding how one got to that destination uh, can tell you a lot 
about, you know, how, how they are, not only as just a physician, but really as a person in general. Um, so again, uh, Dr. Brinley, thank you for uh, joining uh, the Lunch and Learn podcast today and, uh, you know, sharing your story with us. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So I, I gave a little bit of an introduction as far as, you know, uh, some of your background, but I do have some of my, my listeners who love to just skip the introduction and go right to the main episode. Um, tell them, tell, tell the Lunch community a little bit of something about yourself uh, you know, that may not be, you know, directly in bio, but you say, you know what, if, if they don't listen to anything today, at least they'll know this about me. Uh, yeah, so born and raised in a very small farm town and, you know, pretty socioeconomical poor uh, area. And I think it just shows that you can, in this country, be anything you strive to be. Um, so I think that's kind of the main background from my story. And definitely wasn't an easy path and had some struggles along the way and kind of had to learn how to navigate through those myself. And I just want to get that message out there. And so other people know, you know, if your mom and dad's not a doctor, you don't know what the heck you're doing. You can still make it through this process. You can still be a doctor. You just have to really want it. Uh, and love it. and I, and we're definitely going to touch on a couple of those points because I think that's uh, something you said really kind of struck is the fact that you have to really want it because this is definitely not a journey for the people who kind of want to do this right especially especially in a time like this right where um, <laughs> you know we where our our profession is being tested on fronts that we probably never even really expected to be tested on uh, you definitely have to really want to do uh, this thing we call medicine. And uh, again, I love hearing other doctors journey on, you know, what, you know, what made them, uh, you know, get up early morning, stay up late nights to get here. So I think first things first is that, you know, my listeners kind of want to know uh, why medicine for you, right? What was it about medicine and health that say, you know what, I want to be a doctor in the first place? So I think my story is somewhat common into what struck my interest. And it was actually that I was very sick as a kid. I had very severe asthma. I was on steroids all the time. I was in and out of the clinics, the hospitals. I was intubated at a young age. Um, I almost didn't survive that episode. And literally, even when my asthma got better controlled, I was uncontrolled. Um, we didn't have as good of knowledge back then about asthma, but I was having attacks four times a week at night and waking up airway, you know, closed, can't breathe. That was like my life. Um, but I always felt better when I went to the hospital or the clinic. And I just wanted to be like those doctors that always helped me every time because I just thought that it was amazing how much quicker I got better once I saw them. You know, and that's a very, uh, very common point that a lot of times, especially for a lot of physicians, their introduction into this healthcare field was as the patient. And um, just recently, uh, a few months ago, I remember I broke, I broke my fibula, uh, chasing after my son. And it, it is such oh, no. a different experience when you're the patient uh, having to deal with the medical system and just healthcare in general. Uh, than when you're kind of on the outside looking in. So I think that's a that's a, an extremely common point, especially uh, as a young kid, because a lot of times that can be a very traumatic experience. And uh, fortunately, we we didn't scare you away, because uh, sometimes that does that too, where if, if you're very intimate with the healthcare system, you want to stay away from the healthcare system as much as possible. Uh, so being that, like you said, you know what, like, yes, I'm here. And yes, like I, I actually feel good when I come to see, you know, these people. Uh, we're, we're definitely glad we were able to uh, kind of steer you along uh, along this journey. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Definitely felt better leaving there. So for me, I think it was a positive experience. And, and, and I know you talked about uh, the kind of the family upbringing um, and you, you say you didn't have uh, physicians kind of growing up uh, as far as seeing, or was it more just like when you were like the patient? Yeah, it was just when I was the patient. Uh, my dad is, you know, has an associate degree and he just worked his way up through a steel company in Ohio. And my mom was a stay at home mom for most of my childhood. She did later go on to college when I was older. And and what was that? What was that experience like? Right. Especially when you first said, you know what, I want to be a doctor. And, and you didn't have at least especially in your immediate family, you didn't have any of the immediate family uh, who was particularly connected to the healthcare field. What was, what was that experience like when you started telling people I want to be a doctor? So honestly, um, and I know some other people I grew up with can vouch for this that have gone on to do some miraculous things. Um, when I first told I remember I told my Spanish teacher I was like, you know what? I want to be a doctor. And, you know, we have to say it in Spanish. And she just looked at me and was like, okay. Like that was literally her response. And I was like, no, I am. And she's like, okay, all right, moving on. Like, you know, Um, and then I didn't realize it. I was just like, whatever. And I also, I was very stubborn as a kid. And I think anyone who told me not to do something gave me more motivation to do it. So luckily that was the kind of personality I was coming into this with. Um, but yeah, statistically from my high school, like I said, I had between 65 and 80 classmates, you know, some of them did go on to do like the technical school. Um, only six of us went to college, one other went to grad school and I'm only the second doctorate to come out of my school, my high school. Wow. That's, um, okay. Yeah. That's some amazing statistics. I know when I look back now, I'm like, wow. (laughs) Those are some amazing numbers, especially when you think that you didn't necessarily have an external, you know, uh, you know, um, role model to look at. Right. And just to really that, that's again, I'm, I'm actually surprised by those numbers because uh, not only is that a small class, uh, but, you know, when you weave down and say like, wow, like I'm and when you look back and say, oh, I'm the only uh, person who became a physician. Like that's just a, a crazy feat in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I actually remember talking to my mom about transferring schools. And, you know, my parents were very supportive, but they just, my parents were very young as well and didn't know. And they're like, why would you want to, you know, they almost took it personal. Like, why would you want to leave our small town and leave our school? And I already could tell them, like, I don't, I need to go somewhere good where like my my GPA is going to be ranked. You know, all right now I'm getting straight A's, but I'm not sure it's good enough. I need like some sort of ranking on this GPA. So already in high school, I was like, I felt subpar because I wanted to be somewhere in a big high school where they ranked out your GPA because there were kids taking very basic art classes who also were getting, you know, 4.0 in my school. And I'm taking science and biology and math. And then I even took calculus and I'm getting a 4.0, but there's no difference between my 4.0 and their 4.0. So even in high school, I'd already kind of picked up on that. But I was talked out of changing. (laughs) You were convinced. They convinced you like, "Uh, you know what, we're not going to do that. They scared me out of it. (laughs) (laughs) And in in your town, was there like one or two, you know, prominent physicians, like community physicians? Like what was that makeup like? No, uh, there were no physicians that I knew of in my town. So as a pediatrician, I went to a pediatrician 30 minutes, 30 minute drive away. 
30 miles where I live, you know, because the miles a minute, um, that was the closest doctor. There really wasn't one in town. The closest one was, you know, a few towns over actually. And and let's learn community. I I really want you to hear that because I think sometimes uh, we can be spoiled by the love of abundance. Uh, we mm-hmm. can be spoiled by, you know, the fact that by the time I go to Publix, I may pass 10 doctor's offices and not realizing how much of a luxury that is, depending on right. where you live at. Uh, so right. and, and and imagine again, imagine having to spend 30 minutes just to get to not uh, your doctor specifically because, like, oh, I, I only like this specific doctor. No, a doctor. Right. So right. again, lunch yep. community, please understand like uh, this is again, this is as you're growing up, you're 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 experiencing the healthcare system as the role of the patient, uh, and you're experiencing the distance associated with not having it really fully engulfed. And but still, interesting love, still you say, you know what, I still want to do this, right? And and yeah. what what was that decision like when especially after high school, you know, I'm pretty sure you did well in high school and you said, All right, like like I still want to go to be a doctor like what was that decision like moving forward after high school yeah so um that that's also another fun story of mine um I got into a really good program you know how there's these programs that shorten your course you can do the full eight years you do a six year I got into a college that does have a six year and you kind of had to prove yourself that first year to continue on into the six-year program uh the the university was in Florida and my parents, like I said, were pretty young and a little naive and were just petrified. I was going to go to Florida. And I don't know, my family theme is like, if you leave, you're going to do drugs oh, and you're no. going to die. <laughs> you know, like that's just like, what's and, and, and quick question, where, where were we leaving from? Like what, where, where is Ohio? Okay. So Ohio, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's so, a, okay. Um, I can only imagine. Wow. Oh yeah. So that, that ended up being a no. So I I was not allowed to go. I was 17 when I graduated high school. So you, you need a parent's signature at that age on your student loans. Um, so they told me I had to go in Ohio. And then at that point I chose Toledo university in Ohio. And I chose that university at this point because it was the furthest from my house. So that's how I ended up there. (laughs) what's, What's interesting is that sometimes we do need that breakaway uh, from yeah. the familiarity of our home and some of the restraints, whether it be physically, whether it be mentally, that uh, being close to home does. So I, I 100% understand uh, that aspect of like, no, nah, let me get as far away as possible from home without, quote unquote, leaving home. Right. So and then, you know, we all have to take our exams before we start college. So oh, I'm yes. I'm 4.0 student coming into this like, OK, let me take an exam, whatever. I'm going to be fine. Uh, no, I think I failed three of the subjects as a 4.0 student. Um, so I had to take prep courses, some of prep science courses, actually, before I actually started the, you know, 101, course 101 of chemistry, course mm-hmm. 101 of this. So it just showed me to where kind of my high school stood. I mean, I remember even sitting in those prep courses and being with students that are like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. And I'm looking at the material like, I have never seen this in my life. Wow. What is this? So again, it just speaks volumes that if you want to do something, you can do it, you know, and I obviously quickly caught up. I ended up finishing all my courses in three years. So I did an extra major on top of it to finish out my four years to give me time to study for the MCAT. Ooh, the, 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 the illustrious. And I remember I, I tell people all the time the, that MCAT, I, I remember I was so naive. 
Um, I remember I was at I was at Florida State and I was a junior, I think, and I was telling people like, "Oh yeah, I want to be a doctor." I want to be because I was the same thing. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I had no clue that there was even such thing as an MCAT. And I remember my advisor asking me like, "Oh well, have you studied for the MCAT?" And I'm like, "Oh, what's that?" I'm like, "Oh well, that's the test you need to like get into medical school." I'm like, "Oh, you got to take." <laughs> Uh, another test just to, like it was it was such a, a new abundance a uh, new, new thing for me um for, right. for yourself where like did you get mentorship once you got into undergrad because obviously you didn't have it when you're in high school but when you became an yeah. undergrad student was was there someone there that you were able to kind of like say okay all right let me just let me just follow this person right here and let, let them lead me away um, yes. Yeah, so we actually all had advisors uh, I was in the honors college so they were very good about having you know, advisor to a low amount of students, especially if you're in the honors college. And they try to focus on people who are pre-med as well. Um, of course, you know, you sit in your first chemistry class, and I'm sure a lot of people can vouch for this. They're like, look to your left, look to your right. Only one of you is going to be here by junior year. And you're like, what? No way. We're all going to make it. Yes. And then I think my two, <laughs> they put the pre-med kids together in dorms. And even by the end of the first semester, out of three of us, I was the only one still pre-med. The other two had already changed their Mm -hmm. majors. Um, So again, speaking to, it has to be something that you want to do. But we did have advisors that uh, helped guide us through this process, which has made it much better. Um, I'll speak a little bit to the female part of it, because I was definitely told, even by my advisor in college, if you want to have kids, you don't be a doctor. It oh, just yes. is what it is. And it's still still there, still, which is I, crazy. And I couldn't, looking back now, I can't believe they said it to me and they said it so many times. At the time though, I was very young and I was like, I don't want kids. I really felt that way. I don't feel that way anymore. But at the time I felt that way. So I was like, oh, it's fine. I don't want kids. And then they kind of left me alone. I can't imagine a female who already knows they want kids at that age because and, and being repeatedly like, no, told possible. that, no, like, don't mm-hmm. do it, don't do it, don't do it. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, it's a deterrent. Don't, don't, even, don't even waste your time. And yep. I'm not sure if people do it subconsciously to try to help you or they're really trying to sabotage you. But um, the, the amount of, uh, you know, roadblocks that people put in front of you, especially when you're, when you're on this path. Uh, again, that's why I keep harking back on the fact that you said, like, no, no, you got to really want this. Because um, there's plenty of opportunities for you to jump ship. Right. Like, you know, you could have looked to the left, you could have looked to the right and you could have been one of those people not there. Right. At the at the end of those that three year block. Right. But you're like, nope, like this is definitely something I want to do. And even when the Spanish teacher is like, nah, you sure? Like, oh, OK, sure. Whatever. Be a doctor or whatever. You, whatever. Whatever. Crazy little girl. Like, like I could have like I'm pretty sure I could just see the face uh, of of, uh, of that, that Spanish teacher when she's like, oh, OK, sure. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, right. It was kind of like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Doubtful, but okay, cool. <laughs> and, and and as as you're preparing friend there for the MCAT, was there any uh, concerns? Uh, because uh, because this becomes the high school that you're in, and you know having to take these uh, prep courses before going into the one on ones. Was there any like doubt that creeped into your mind at that point, or by that time you were like ready? I think at that point I was pretty confident in myself and my test taking skills. I was actually in Europe when I studied for the MCAT, I did my junior year abroad completely at the uni of Salford in Manchester, UK. Mm. So I was in Europe and everyone else was, you know, going to the pubs and having a good old English time. And I was in my dorm studying, but you gotta want it. Like we always say. <laughs> and and that, and that, that life of, 
uh, studying is something that you, again, I wish I wish I'm an attending now right now. Like, oh, maybe maybe I'll be studying less when I become attending. Nope, like it's still like this. The studying for some reason has not paused down uh, ever since I said I wanted to be a prevent, which is no. <laughs> crazy. The difference is now about. I think it's a little bit better because you get to choose what you study, right? Yes. You know, you feel you're, there's a little bit more motivation behind it. Like, you know what? I feel like I don't know this really well. Let me go read up on that. Or, you know what? I heard about this great study. What 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 kind of patients did they test? I, I want to read it. So I think, at, you know, in med school, I had a lot of times where I was forcing myself to continue sitting there. And I was looking at everyone else enjoying their life as they just graduated college, thinking, what am I doing? Why would I put myself through this? Um, but now when I'm reading, it's things that I want to read and things that I want to de- dedicate my time to, which is much nicer than dedicating it to a curriculum. Correct. And now the the journey from undergrad to medical school, was there any... Now, did you end up staying uh, staying still in the state, or did you end up moving at that point, or where, how how what was that journey like moving on to the next level? Because of course, unfortunately, uh, you signed up to be a doctor, uh, and it still hasn't like the work still hasn't stopped yet. Yep, yep. So uh, you know, I took my MCAT, I did well, but you know, um, it's still very hard. You obviously need it higher, and I'm not sure if it's like this. Today, I'm sure it is. You needed higher scores to get out of state than get in state. So I was just getting kind of better quality schools in state than I was out of state. So I chose Ohio University in state medical school. And honestly, I'm very happy I did because I had most of my training at the Cleveland Clinic and it was a really good experience. And, and how, how was medical school like? How was, how was, cause this is a dream of yours and mm-hmm. you, 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 you've, 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 you're knocking at the door now, right? Like you're less than four years away from actually being called doctor. Uh, how, how was that journey uh, with medical school? Like the first couple of years, cause I'm not sure how your curriculum is. Um, was it the typical, you know, book, book work, class work for the first couple of years and then uh, clinic work the last two? Yeah, so the first two years were completely book work. Um, actually, we graduated college in May, and Ohio University starts early. They do a straight anatomy for summer. So you start in the summer, and you do all the cadaver work and anatomy work. And then you go into straight testing, you know, every week or biweekly, and just the curriculum and coursework. Um, I struggled. I was young. I was one of the youngest people in my class. You know, a lot of people tend to do masters or take a year off or do some research. I went straight in. I just turned 22. And uh, I really struggled with the fact that everyone was kind of graduated college and outliving their life and getting married. And I was literally still studying because now I'm on my fifth year of this whole like sacrifice for studying. And I think at that point, it started to hit me hard. Like, do I really want to do this? I really, I put so much work. It was really hard. I think sitting there at 2am being like, I have put so much work into this to put myself in this terrible situation. And I, I was young at the time, but that's how I, I just felt like I was. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I used to remember, <laughs> um, you know, looking at my friends on Facebook, and yeah. they're 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 either on vacation or they're out the country or they're living their life. They got kids. They're doing all of these things, and I'm like, well, anatomy physiology uh, is not gonna <laughs> yeah. is not gonna study itself, right? And and I used to yeah. think like, okay, I just and I would have to like almost like, all right, all right, it's it's gonna be over soon. It's gonna be over soon. Let's just just yep. Yep. get get through this work here. 
Yeah. So I think third and fourth year for me, I'm definitely more of a hands-on person. So third and fourth year, I was like, yes, let's do it. I was back in the game. Um, I struggled a little bit first and second year with just motivation to sit there and keep studying, studying, studying. Um, I was also someone I, I didn't have to study a lot in med school was a lot more study time than I was used to. So I think that was part of the adjustment as well. Oh, okay. So you had, uh, it, was, it was almost too much time, uh, would you say? Is, is, was that the... Yeah, I would just say, you know, I was definitely a crammer. I know there's people out there and I was that kid, you know, I was the pre-med kid that all the other pre-med kids hated, right? Because I didn't study half as much as they did and I got the same scores. Um, but in med school, you cannot do that. And I, trust me, I tried. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> you have to study. So, um, yeah, you know, I learned it and I went through it and I was definitely happy to put first and second year behind me and get out in the hospital and third and fourth year. I loved it. I was happy. I was and then third and fourth year. I said, yes, I made the right decision. I am happy. Uh, this is where it's at. And what, what, what made you choose your career choice? Like what, and for, for those in the lower community, when we are, when we're like literally tasked to decide what do we want to do for the rest of our life, uh, we typically have those first couple years of book work. That's great. But we typically have that one year and third year. And then by fourth year, we got to start thinking about it. Um, especially if you're kind of, un- if you're walking in there undecided, that's really how long we have to choose. Like, oh, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Like when, when did that decision happen that you realized I want to do blank for the rest of my life? Yeah. So actually mine was when I was pretty young in high school, I knew what type of doctor I wanted to be. And I will say I'm not that type of doctor today. (laughs) Um, So I I wanted to do pulmonary critical care, obviously asthma. Um, I got, I went into, so I knew going into residency, I was doing internal medicine. Um, I went to an osteopathic medical school, but I knew I was going to apply only to allopathic residencies because I wanted a fellowship and I wanted to open up that opportunity. Um, So I did do allopathic residency and I actually got into fellowship and then I decided not to take it. Ah, what, what, um, I guess what, (laughs) what, what happened that made you say, you know what, Mm, I don't want to do this. Um, So I, my third year of residency, I think at this point too, I wanted to do it for so long and it had been such a goal and a dream of mine. I had to do it for myself. I had to do it. So once I got in, it became a reality. Like, okay, I'm going to do pulmonary critical care. It was a four year program. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm kind of trying to swallow that. I got another four years of training coming up. Everything's already on student loans. I can do it. It's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, Ooh, the student a, loans. What's, I know. which is such a, which is such a driver uh, in a lot yes. of our career choices, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So, and I just started thinking and I said, you know what, I'm actually a really well-rounded person. I get very involved in the academia of it. And I felt like if I did do pulmonary critical care, that was all I was going to continue doing. It's, it's just going to be me in the hospital. I'm going to either be in the ICU or I'm going to be in the pulmonary clinic on my off weeks. And I just wanted to do more. I wanted to have a family. And I did feel like it might be, not that it's not impossible, anything's possible, but I felt like a lot more time would be dedicated to the hospital, to research, to medicine. And I felt like internal medicine would allow me to kind of round out my life a little bit better. You know, and again, I'm, I might be biased, right? But I tell people <laughs> all the time, uh, internal medicine is one of the, the best specialties out there. We love all the specialties out there, but I'm biased. I love internal medicine 
And and I remember uh, it, that decision was kind of the same. Like I knew I wanted to do. In fact, I remember I wanted. To, I was going to be like the community doctor, right? I was going to be the person you had to drive to thirty minutes to come see. Uh, but I remember getting kicked out of the rooms uh, for all of my women's health patients. And then after a while, I just okay, they keep kicking me out of the rooms. I'm not doing family medicine. I'm doing internal medicine, right? And that's <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's how I kind of ended up there uh, in in internal medicine uh, world. For so you become so you get into the internal medicine program, you become this internist, right? Um, what was it like, then, right? What was that feeling like when like it was official that I am a doctor? I think the best, and I I'm a little ashamed of this and a little not, but I got to tell you guys. When I got that first paycheck, you know, I yes. have been <laughs> barely skating by for like years, you know, I paid my whole way through this thing. There were times like I, unfortunately I had to call my mom, like, mom, listen, I don't get paid till next week. I have zero groceries. Like, can you float me a hundred dollars? So luckily, you know, my mom helped me out when she could. And, um, but yeah, that first paycheck, I walked into Louis Vuitton. I picked out a purse, a keychain, a wallet. It's all laying out on the counter. And I'll never forget the guy's like, okay, what do you want? And I'm looking at it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take it all. And he's like, what? And I was like, I'm going to take it all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know what I love about that is because I think a lot of times, and I, I see this a lot from my physician colleagues is that they don't like treating themselves. Like it's a very I weird. To. I feel like I deserved it. You deserve it. That's and that's why I keep trying to tell them, like, no, you work too hard for this. One, you work too hard for this not to gloat about yourself. You work too hard for this not to reward yourself. Like you, like no, you deserve it. Like it, it didn't just fall in your lap. Again, you had you you said as a pre med, hey, I want to do this doctor thing. Uh, even when you were pre med and you were studying up and studying, uh, you know, early in the mornings, late at night, you still said, "I still want to do this doctor thing." And even when you hit every single roadblock that was either purposely or you know unconsciously put in front of you uh, to stop you from becoming a doctor, you said, "I'm going to go over that roadblock and, and still become this doctor." So every time um, I, I, I try to brag on my colleagues and I try to tell them, like, "No, no, no, it's okay to you know let people know, like, hey, like I'm like I'm that I'm that person because." Like I, I yeah. worked hard for this. So I, I love, I love that first. <laughs> and, and I remember, I remember as a, I remember going from resident to attending and I remember that first, I definitely remember that first check. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen this much money on one paycheck before. Like this is okay. This might, be, this might have been the right decision. Like this might be, I was like worried. I was like, the government's going to come after me because this is the most money I've ever had deposited into my bank account. <laughs> So as, as, as you got out, as you finished uh, residency, what, what did we end up doing? What did we end up doing and, um, you know, with, with, with just a career choice? Um, so actually when I first came out, like I said, because I decided not to take that fellowship last minute, I started doing locum work, um, which honestly I felt was very rewarding. It got to go into these places that didn't have enough doctors, usually pretty remote areas and help people. And they were actually very thankful. Um, I trained in inner city, downtown Chicago, actually. So you definitely encounter a lot of patients who aren't so thankful to receive medical care and are actually pretty demanding about what you're going to do for them and what you're not. Um, so <laughs> well, we, we, we know I actually, those types of patients. 
I really enjoyed rural medicine, to be honest, through the locum work. And I just, they were really appreciative. And then when they heard, oh, you're from Chicago, you're from the big city. And they're just like, so thankful. Thank you so much for coming here and helping us. And it just felt very rewarding. And I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, And then from there, you know, you grow up, you meet someone, you get engaged. And so that's when the traveling stopped. Got to stay a little closer to home, a little closer. Yeah, you know, he's like, you might, you might should be here more than like one or two weeks a month, and I was like, yeah, probably, maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> at that point, I started um, post-acute care, right? Because internal medicine, you guys can do anything with internal medicine, locum work, nursing home work. So I was Monday through Friday doing post-acute care, nursing home work, and then on the weekends, I was actually uh, intensive best as a hospitalist. So I was their ICU hospitalist because I actually did love procedures. I was very well skilled in procedures. I was certified in all of them. So yeah, Um, I did that actually at Loyola University on the weekends. And then I decided, okay, I had, I set a timeline at five years post-graduation. I want to have my first business opened up and Actually, through residency, I got into the aesthetic part of medicine. Again, internal medicine, you can do anything. Anything. Um, I love so it. I, learned, I, I tell yeah. people all the time, internal medicine, like, don't <laughs> don't sleep on yeah. it. Don't sleep on it. You can do yeah. whatever. So I started doing the beauty stuff and the Botox and filler and threading and all that. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm out in L.A. I've opened up a concierge medicine practice. And I am in the process of opening up a medical spa. And then I'm still doing some locum work to kind of fund my business upstart. Now, the aesthetics. Now, is that something um, that you that you did when uh, like as you were doing your locums? Was that something as a resident? Like, did you ever like when did you start saying like, hmm, like this might be. Like something so when I, can... I decided I wanted to go have fun in Chicago and the few days I had off, I didn't have enough money to do that and pay rent with residency. So I found um, there was a doctor looking to train someone to do his injections. And in the state of Illinois, you can inject under a doctor as a resident because technically I am a doctor. So as long as he's there on site, I can help him out and inject. So he would pay me a certain percentage of all the profits I made. And it kept me, you know, going through residency financially to pay my loan payments that were due and pay my rent. So that's how Amazing. I learned. And then Amazing. I started to love it. <laughs> and and that transition from doing it, because at least at that time in residency, it was kind of part time. Uh, when did you start saying like, oh, you know what? I might be able to like make this, a, 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 I guess, a, a bulk of what I do. Like when when did that maneuver so yeah so after residency I kind of told that guy thank you you know thank you so much for the opportunity but now I'm an attending right and this isn't really attending wages I gotta now I gotta be smart with my time and my money and things like that Um, but I wanted to keep up on the skills so I just started I was just pretty much doing injections in in my friends houses for my family and then it became like friends of family, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends of friends. Then I have random people texting me like, hey, you know, I know someone who knows someone and can you do this? So I kind of almost started my own business without trying to. Um, and then that's it kind of just turned into that. And I was doing that until I moved out to L.A. And I love, and I love it because especially the physicians I interview here, I, I love the ones who have that business mindset because unfortunately... 
um, a lot of our colleagues do not. And and I think sometimes and we talk about burnout a lot. I think a lot of lot of the source of burnout usually kind of runs into the fact that a lot of us don't have the autonomy that we used to have or we thought we would have once we became an attending. And uh, being the business owner, being the entrepreneur gives a lot of people, a lot of that autonomy that you're looking for back uh, to you. So I, I definitely love the fact that, you know, it just kind of found you. Not, not as it something you were, I mean, you just happen to be very good at what you did. And when you're good at what you do, people will find you. And I, I, tell, I tell my mentees that, I tell my physician colleagues, I tell, I tell anybody I try to get a chance to. I say, when you are good at what you do, you don't necessarily have to do that much work because people will come and track you down. And and this move to LA now has that uh, like how how long have we been out there like because we're going um, from since, well, you know we in Ohio <laughs> and now we're in LA like what's what was uh, that no um so actually I've always kind of saw my business going best out in the LA area and um, now my husband he had a company in Chicago and decided to sell his company so th- at that time I we were like, well, let's move somewhere warm. And I said, you know what? I'm approaching my five year mark soon. And I've always wanted to start my own business. I've always thought it'd go best in the LA area. And so we decided, yeah, you know, we're both young, like let's make the move. Let's go get by the water and get some good weather. That was obviously after our third polar vortex. So we were, we were ready to go. <laughs> I, I do not envy. I'm, I'm a South Florida <laughs> born and raised and anytime yeah. I even think about weather up north and I see snow and I'm like, oh, no, like, how do they, uh, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Um, you know, especially Ohio. Oh, I can only imagine uh, dealing, <laughs> dealing with that type of weather. So we, we're here, right? We've, we, we're doing our aesthetics, right? We're even opening up a med spa, which I think is a, a very smart uh, thing to do, especially because, again, I think it just kind of complements uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the medicine that we're doing. Um, you know, wh- what do we have, like, wh- what do we have left? Well, like, what do, do we have any more goals? Like we've, you know, remember we were as a kid, we said we wanted to be a doctor. Now we're here. Like what, like right. any, any more goals that we have to go after? So right now my goal is to grow, grow my businesses. Um, so I have, like I said, my concierge business I have, I'm going to be opening up a medical spa soon. And I actually have a nursing home business as well. So oh, nice, yeah, nice. those are, those are my three things going on right now, which is plenty of work. I must say, <laughs> And then I work in the hospitals just to keep up on my skills and, okay. you know, to so give you st- back. So you, you still do hospitalist work as well? Yes, I do. Yep. And that's mostly funding kind of the medical spa upstart is what that's doing. Oh, oh yeah. Trust me. I, 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 know, that game, <laughs> I know that game very well. I know that game very well. And I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm excited because I, I love entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs who are physicians, right? Because that just, that just makes it even sweeter. Uh, because, uh, w- once you start writing your own rules, um, you know, that, that's really where the happiness like comes in, right? Like once you start deciding like, Hey, no, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and, and, th- and this, I'm going to do it because it makes me happy. Um, and I think that's where the, the accumulation of, you know, why medicine comes into play, right? Because as, as the physician, as the healthcare leader, right, you're able to do what you want to do. Um, and you're able to serve as that expert de facto leader while doing it. Right. So I absolutely love. Uh, you know, the, the amazing stuff you're doing here. Um, before I let you go, right. I want to um, let's, let's, let's give a time again, if, if, if you have time to kind of shout out some of your businesses and, you know, like how can people like join the concierge and like, when can people get in the med spot? Like, let, let, let's, 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 let's put that out there. Like when. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm serving right now. Um, 
first, my concierge practice is based in Beverly Hills, but I serve the greater Los Angeles area. I do house calls, imaging, lab work, whatever you need. I come to the comfort of your home discreetly. No one knows I'm there. No one has to know I'm there. Um, so it's very convenient for the patient. Um, I have weight loss plans. I do injections. I do injectable medications. We do vitamins, IV therapies, pretty much the whole nine yards, the whole service. Um, the medical spa will be opening up in Beverly Hills soon in the triangle. Um, you know, coronavirus has put that on hold a little bit right now. So, um, and then, yeah, my nursing home is called Jerry Heal. And what I do is I go in and contract with nursing homes and I work as the medical director in some of those. And I see patients and I have nurse practitioners that help me out. Um, so right now my Website should be launching this week. Um, it's taken a while, but it's going to be beautiful and it's perfect. And my web guy probably hates me, but it is going live this week. It's doctor dot or drbrindley.com. Um, I am very vocal and been in some media lately, especially the Today Show's featured me, NB, actually NBC Miami, Yahoo News. Um, so I'm advocating for COVID-19, social distancing, and all that good stuff. I love it. Um, so, and I, yeah, I see it, too, because I love it. <laughs> I love it because it's, and again, it's, again, as lunch learning community, you know, again, I, I talk to you guys a lot. Um, one thing that, like, I, I love that our physicians, especially of today, are doing are, is that they're not running away uh, from, you know, the leadership role that's bestowed upon them, right? Like, again, uh, we did all the studying, we passed all the boards, we did what we needed to do to say, hey, we are the leader. Uh, but a lot of times I would find ourselves kind of like cowering away, not cowering, I don't want to say cowering, that's, I don't, that seems bad. But we would kind of shy away from, you know, being out in that spotlight when, especially in a time like this, when we are needed. So I love the fact that you're out there and you're screaming from the rooftops like, hey, hey, no, we need to do this. This is why we need to do it. And and once people see you as that de facto leader and they know that you're the person that can lead them to that promised land that we're trying to get them, right? Like that what makes all the difference. So again, thank you, Dr. Brinley, for, you know, uh, first of all, an amazing interview. And again, especially because uh, you, you again, give a, a light, because uh, again, I have pre-meds who I know who watch this. I know I have medical students who watch this. Um, I uh, listen to this, um, you know, at doctors as well. And, and sometimes we kind of forget uh, that all of our journey isn't the same, uh, but our, our end goal should always be, right? So I love the fact that, you know, you, you did not allow uh, the multiple, again, it seems like multiple attempts, unfortunately, to really, you know, dissuade you to, for joining us uh, in our profession. And I'm just, you know, obviously we're much thankful that you did, right? We're thankful that uh, you said, you know what? I don't care what you guys are telling me. Like, I'm still going to do this. Right. Yeah. And I mean, my biggest thing I want to know, I want to tell the pre-med med school is just never give up and don't listen to what people say. You can do whatever you want to do. Don't let anyone tell you what you're capable of. The only person that can limit you is yourself. Ooh, I love it. And and that and and that is the analytic lunch learning community again, Dr. Breland. We will put again lunch learning community, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, we'll make sure we have all our information in the show notes. If you are in the LA Beverly Hills area and you need an amazing concierge physician, boom, here's one right here. Uh, again, <laughs> you know, don't do not do not sleep. Because uh, again, and you guys know I love uh, this, this, the onus of concierge, direct primary care, like, like it's, it's that's, I can, I, I could talk to you for, for, for days <laughs> on just on that aspect alone. So I love the aspect that, you know, that's what you're driving home because we need it. We need it more than ever. 
uh, especially in this yep. day and age where, you yep. know, patient satisfaction, physician satisfaction, everything seems to be going down uh, hill and we need more people who are like, no, 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 no. We're still good here. I'm going to hold us afloat. I'm going to be yep. the medical director, the concierge doctor, the media, maybe like I'm going to do all of these things here because I have to. Uh, so again, thank yep. you for uh, joining and, uh, and, you know, blessing the listener community today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode. And if you have not already done so, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Leave a review there because your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lynch Learn and everything with Pierre Medical Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv is very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod to 44222. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thanks, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.